Hello and welcome to another episode of Top Shelf Nerds. It's our 20th episode this week. Yay! We are the podcast by Nerds Amalgamated, a subsidiary of That's Not Canon Productions. And this week we're starting off with Bucky, who has a topic about what Apple has done wrong this time. Yeah. I like the fact, I'm, I'm glad you said this time, because, yeah, there's just so much wrong with Apple. But, yeah, um, looking through the news the other day, and I came across an article about the fact that Apple has been slugged $9 million for misleading Aussie consumers over Era 53 debacle, which when you start looking through the whole article, it's anti-competitive behavior by Apple and ACCC's come in and given them a kick in the tenders and said, that's not right. Other people need to be able to repair your stuff or you're going to have to replace it. So yeah, nine $9 million will go to the government's consolidated revenue, effectively being returned to the taxpayers. Oh, that's nine million dollars. That's that's big picture wise. Apple will be like, ah, that's just chump change. Well, I was just yeah. going to say, I'm waiting for Apple's um, spokesperson to come out and say, okay, so we got to sell nine phones to cover the cost of them. <laughs> well, they, well, where, where where could they sell iPhones now that they can't sell in Australia, basically? <clears throat> No, they're not going to be stopped from selling them here. I'm just saying that the Apple's Apple iPhones are so expensive that they've only got to sell nine to make nine million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, folks. His logic chip has come loose again. I need a new soldering iron <clears throat> or a bigger baseball bat. Oh no, <laughs> maybe a magnet. No, magnetic forces don't work on something that small. Um. So yeah, uh, it's it's about time that Apple started facing it. Um, like in America, they've copped similar sorts of things occasionally um so yeah it's nice to see that australia is actually sitting up and going hey no it's time to start stepping up and facing the music yeah it's nice that they're finally actually getting punished for it because a lot of the things they do go against consumer rights laws around the world and they always seem to just skate by and get away with it like in in the eu where the EU put in a uh, requirement for phones to have standardized chargers back mm-hmm. in the days when every phone had its own unique charger. And that's how we got micro USB as a standard for phones. Apple decided that they'd rather pay the fine or whatever and get away with not having to fall into place. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just sick and tired of all the dodgy stuff Apple's been doing. Like 35 years, they've been here doing doing some dodgy bits and pieces they try to say that they're, they're working hard to offer customers the best possible service. I think they need to go and look at what that word actually means in the dictionary because they obviously know. Although that being said, though, they did um, recent, <laughs> they did recently said to um, did something which could be good for the consumers in a sense of privacy um, <laughs> in terms of closing a loop closing. Um, a loophole that agents that security agencies might go. Okay, we're going to hack into this person's iPhone. Um, actually, no, the, they were chasing the, yeah, the situation you're talking about was in relation to criminal behavior and the police do actually have the right to ask for that information. Yep. And they asked Apple for assistance. Apple refused and the police said, okay, fine. Hmm. And they went and organized it anyway. It just took them a bit longer, which put somebody's life in jeopardy. But Apple doesn't want people talking about that. So... Yeah, they didn't actually do anything hmm. to protect people. They just tried to hide the fact that 
they have actually got loopholes where they're able to read all your data. It reminds me of that uh, Facebook memo that basically said, um, we connect people, that's a good thing, but sometimes <laughs> someone might die, who cares? <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just over a lot of the stuff with Apple. As I was saying, I'm not a big fan. But, yeah, like, this is essentially just any competitive behaviour. And to be honest, I think $9 million isn't really enough. It should be a lot. Yeah. This, this is hardly even a slap on the wrist. It's it's a, it's a stroke on the hand saying, come on, play nice with, with all the other children. Hopefully, though, it will um, help set the precedent for right-to-repair laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. It's, it's something to do with the um, Touch ID fingerprint recognition. Yeah, the, the issue was when when third parties replace the screen, it could detect that it was using a non-OEM part and would shut down. That's just ridiculous. Like They're forcing people to use their, their products and their product only, and then they're wondering why they're losing market share. Yeah, but then the, the pro- they'll, 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 they'll still bring out products anyway. This will just be like, huh? Uh, uh, we, we got fine. Okay, fine. Yeah, but I remember the other week we were talking about the fact that the bubbles bursting on the smartphone market and China's producing products that are just as capable and at a better price. Oh yeah. yeah. <clears throat> if you if you only turn around and take Apple's approach where you're saying to people, No, 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 you can only use our stuff or we're gonna turn it into a paperweight, then it's not gonna work for you. You're gonna you're gonna lose a percentage of the market. And every year that happens, that's we're talking that'd be millions of dollars. <laughs> globally i don't know any company that can hemorrhage millions of dollars especially when they've had a poor track record like apple has for the last few years like they they had a four percent growth but that was i think it was when we were talking about the other week but that was due to higher prices on phones not because they're increasing the edge of the market yeah i think if we give it another couple of years the big names apple and samsung and sony and all of them are going to have to start cutting back on their phone sector because you just can't keep innovating the way they, they try to do to sell phones anymore. We've got to the point where phones have basically everything that someone would want, and the Chinese copies are just as good. Yeah. Like, I've got a Samsung at the moment. I've only just gone over to a Samsung, and before that I had a HTC. And to be honest, I, I regret changing from the HTC to the Samsung. I'd like to go back. So my next phone, I'm going back to HTC if they're still around. Hopefully. Because it was it just it had everything and it was easier to use. Like there was less complications and so forth, more reliability. The battery lasted a hell of a lot. So yeah, and I think the HTC ROMs are closer mm-hmm. to stock Android than Samsung. Oh. Samsung's notorious for putting heavily modified stuff on. Yeah, with um, the HTC, like the screen size was almost half an inch bigger, and I'm talking a phone that I've had. I've only just replaced it for the first time after four years. And the screen on my new phone is actually smaller than my old phone. Um, the camera quality is actually a step down. So, <clears throat> Samsung, come on. Don't, don't do an apple on us. Yeah. I'm hearing a bit of coughing tonight. Sounds like there's something going around in the... Uh, tonight, we're recording on the winter solstice. Shortest uh, day of the year. Uh, that explains why the sun's been going down so quickly. Oh, oh my God. Yes, you called. <laughs> Please save me from the DJ. Oh, hell no. That is punishment. I don't know what <laughs> we've done wrong, but that is punishment. <laughs> I think that's what they refer to as hell on earth. You mean hell frozen over? No. 
That's completely uh, different. It's a tempting idea. It could freeze you. That would work. Speaking of cooling things down, though, uh, global warming's a big issue, but it's come out that sucking CO2 out of the atmosphere is cheaper than you think. Ah, oh, nice. The, uh, according to this article, since the 2011 analysis, the cost of, uh, the cost of using machines to suck carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere is significantly lower than it was. What was, this initial, what was the initial price? Um, well, the 2011 study was $600 per tonne. We're now down to between 94 and $232 a tonne. Okay. That's one heck of a drop. Yeah. At the least, that's a third of the cost, which is impressive. But as with all technology, the longer it's around and the more work that's done on it, the cheaper it usually gets. So. Yeah, and then there's economies of scale. Except, it's a hell of a lot cheaper than a factory doing one thing than what you yeah. do otherwise. Except when you look at mobile phones, then the longer it's around, the more expensive it is. Yeah. But then who's going to do... Well, then the, the question is going to be who's going to do the sucking? Well, the company that did this study is Carbon Engineering, based out of Canada. They, uh, they've been running a pilot plant since 2015 using direct air capture. And then Climeworks, based out of Switzerland, has a facility... It uh, looks like it must be in Switzerland that captures 900 tons of CO2 a year for use in greenhouses, which is an interesting way of doing it. Like taking the CO2 out of the atmosphere and putting it in the greenhouse to make sure that your, your plants grow really well. That could even help with uh, food supply issues. Yeah. Um, see, that's one of the interesting points you've got to consider there is people keep going on about they've got to find all these different building products. There was a big move to move away from using timber, but the reality is, is if you have a sustainably grown forest that's harvested for lumber, it actually helps to reduce the carbon footprint of the population. Yeah, it's one of the best ways to actually capture carbon at the moment. And it's the most biodegradable product around. You get you get good timber, it looks sexy, it feels sexy, and it makes the world a better place. So everyone out there, get wood. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, Climeworks, the company that has the Switzerland base, also has a, a facility in Iceland where they're burying the carbon as well. The uh, carbon engineering's design is uh, direct air capture uses potassium hydroxide, which combines with CO2 to form potassium carbonate, which they then process into calcium carbonate, which um pretty close to just limestone, basically. Huh. So they could actually so, be using that as a building product for... I think so. Roads. Yeah, I think you could actually do that. I'm not 100% sure um, uh, how strong it would be. Well, you've got, the, you've got that plastic recycle technology they're using for making roads in India and so forth. Yep. Just thinking if you combine the two, if you, like if you actually embedded that product into the plastic road, it works. That should help with the durability and the wear and tear. There you go. You already use calcium carbonate as a uh, as a material in concrete. Mm. So you're mixing plastic and concrete together. Would that be plascrete? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> That's actually a science fiction thing coming to life. Yeah. Woohoo! You got Which plastic it, plascrete. Where's it from? Um, oh, it's appeared in a number of books. Like um, E. Doc Smith had had mention of plasteel, I think it was, or plascrete. Um, I think it's in the June series. Yeah they, yeah, they have plastic steel, all that in there. It's also in Warhammer as well. 
Yeah, but these guys are going back before Warhammer. Yeah. But yeah, like I reckon that that'd be an idea to consider. Like if, if you've got your main roads department operating some of these machines so they're sucking the carbon out, recycled plastic. Um yeah. Is it I think it was um Sweden I saw the other day are down to less than one percent of garbage. So they're like they're 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 getting closer to the zero waste stage. So Nice. Um yeah, maybe Maybe that we could follow their their approach, and the recycled plastic could go into making roads that last longer than three months in Queensland. Mm-hmm. What's also cool is that um they can use the calcium carbonate pellets to make synthetic fuel, mm. so that would release most of the carbon straight back out into the atmosphere. But mm. if we're capturing carbon, we can we can afford to do that because we're just building a cycle. Carbon comes in from the atmosphere. We put it into fuel, we pump it back out into the atmosphere so yeah. it'll stabilize. The got, question um, oh. Carbon Engineering wants to build a small facility same here, which will produce 200 barrels of fuel per day by 2021. Uh, that's 2,000 barrels. Oh, no, no sorry. Um, yeah, the commercial plan will do that. I wish it was 2,000. Yeah, um, so they'll scale it up to 2,000 yeah. for a bigger facility. But yeah, that'd be something to consider for the. Um, Exploration of space, capturing the carbon yeah. from the atmosphere to provide fuel for the traveling around on the surface. And terraform. If you land on a planet that happens to be uncomfortably hot, you just throw down a couple of these and wait a while and you got a nice habitable planet. But <laughs> mm-hmm. so my, my. Oh. Sorry, what? I was just thinking that you were actually talking about um, something with the space exploration and all that. Was that was with this article or was that Mars you were saying something about with methane? Uh, that's Mars, although I just did a quick Google search and most of the atmosphere of Venus is carbon dioxide. So uh, Venus is like Mars, a planet that is incredibly similar to Earth. So if... um. What's the temperature? Uncomfortably hot because it's got so much uh, carbon dioxide. Uh, let's see. Celsius-wise would be Here we go. Yeah, we're looking at 470 degrees Celsius at the surface Jeez. at 93 bars, which is 900 meters underwater, basically. So, in other words, you get crushed while you get in a tan. Yeah, <laughs> and then there's the acid rain. The, the Soviets built some... Uh, Ven- Venus probes. None of them ever lasted very long because of how harsh it is. But if you could find a way to neutralize the acid or and a way to suck the the CO two out of the atmosphere, you could make Venus habitable. Hmm, well, there you go. Yes. My biggest question when it comes to sucking out the CO two would be how would it affect in terms of climate policy and um, climate change as a whole? Because we always, because when we were growing up, we always hear the two terms climate change, greenhouse emissions, and whatnot. Um, well, actually, I remember when I was a kid when they started talking about the hole in the ozone layer and they started banning certain products. So, yeah, personally, I reckon it's a great idea. Yeah. And in terms of the economy, <laughs> uh, we already have discussions about carbon credits. Mm-hmm. According to the article we have here, the. Um, uh, the price of a ton of carbon for like, carbon credit in Europe, I believe, is 16 euros. Mm-hmm. I think I saw here. So it's, yeah, here we go. Carbon credits in the EU 
are about 16 euro per ton. Um, okay. But if, uh, if we implemented large scale carbon capture, then what you'd see would be these companies sucking carbon out of the air and generating carbon credits that they sell to factories and uh, reckon, airlines and stuff who then put carbon into the air. But I reckon they um, should still keep the tax thing going just to get some of these companies to improve their performance because since they've done yeah. it, there's so many companies that have improved. Plus, there's a lot of companies around the world that they go out and plant trees to offset their carbon footprint, and the world needs more. Trees are nice. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> Uh, anyway, speaking of life and in space, NASA has discovered organic compounds and methane on Mars. The thing is, neither of these are sure signs that there's life, but organic methane is a building block for life, as we know it, of course. Oh, organic molecule, sorry. Uh, the methane is more interesting because mostly you get methane from bio- biological processes. That's going to be interesting. How, like, we've we found the was the water on Mars, and now we found yep. organic methane. Well, they found liquid. Well, organic molecules. Yeah. The yeah. organic methane isn't uh, necessarily well. The methane isn't necessarily organic, as in comes from an animal. Yeah, and it was it wasn't actually water. It was a fluid. It wasn't. Yeah. Um, was H2O. Yeah, they weren't sure what it was, but I think the consensus, consensus was that it probably wasn't water just because of the temperature range. Yeah. Oh, they're saying... Um, uh, I beg to differ. They're saying that uh, it's liquid water flows intermittently um, according to NASA's findings in 2015. Yeah, they call it liquid water just because it's easier for people to understand what they're talking about. They okay. don't know the actual composition. composition of it. Yeah. And when you when you start talking to large sections of the population, you go, there's a large ocean of a liquid covering the surface of this planet. They're like, what's the liquid? It's easy to just say water rather than start discussing it. I think it was in the movie Titan, the surface of the planet. Uh, it's almost like an acid for the ocean. But Yeah, it's hydrocarbons, I think. Um, when you, It's just, it, it allowed liquid water, an essential ingredient for life, to pull at the surface. But yeah, you've just got to be careful. Like, not all water is water, yeah. even on planet Earth. There's areas where you have streams of acid flowing through some of the waters in different caves. Yeah. Yes. And uh, though this uh, brings up some interesting considerations for what the Mars 2020 and ExoMars rovers are going to be equipped to find. And speaking of rovers, uh, I found out last week that. Op- I don't think we mentioned it. Opportunity has gone dark and lost contact after 14 years on the planet. What a shame. Although, yeah. from memory, wasn't the Curiosity rover nuclear-powered? It is. It's uh, Opportunity that's gone dark. Ah, okay. What is Opportunity being powered by? Uh, it's got a an RTG, I think, so uh, basically a, a nuclear generator. Curious. But with all the bits and pieces they send up there... I... Hope we don't get a um, waste cleanup bill from. Yeah, it's coming. That's what the uh, the dust storm is. They're trying to shut down all our rovers, and then they're going to send us the the bill. <laughs> Fair enough. It ju- it just reminds me of that movie, My Favorite Martian, where you couldn't where the rover couldn't find anything, and then it's beh- behind the rover, it's just this big gigantic alien civilization. <laughs> Oops. Uh, I've seen seen memes and cartoons of that where they when they first sent the rover, 
They're saying there's no sign of life, and there's Martians standing behind the camera, pegged a um, picture of a desolate landscape in front of lens. <laughs> and in the background behind the picture, there's marvelous. <laughs> and I thought, yep, I would make sure that people, did, that the human race, didn't know I was there. One of the um, one of my favorite jokes about the Rovers is the XKCD comic about is either Spirit or Opportunity, which I think were the two that are basically partner rovers. They uh, they had a, a service life of 90 days and kept going for years afterwards. He, um, and they have a, an SKCD comic where the rover's like, great, I'm here to do an excellent job. I'm going to work hard. And then they'll let me come home. And as it goes on, he's slowly getting more and more disillusioned with his chances of going home and thinks he's upset his owners. And... <laughs> so it's, in other words, he's living the life of a year. Yeah. I'm getting close to the end. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, some things will never change. Wow. Like an ancient galaxy. Hey, segways. Hey. Segway. Hey. You, you, you've stolen the DJ's talent. Hey. hey, I was doing this before he was. <laughs> yeah, no, he just doesn't say much. It seems that that's all he does. Yeah, there's um, an article I pulled up from March this year, which uh, I missed when it first came out. Hubble took a photo of a galaxy that is called a relic galaxy, which is supposed to have the properties it had millions of years ago when it first formed. Mm -hmm. And by looking at it, we can tell more about how we got where we are. And they're still, what amazing is they're still making these discoveries with Hubble. We, uh, and if James Webb's telescope ever gets into space, what will it be able to see compared to Hubble? How old is Hubble right now? It must be 60 or 50 years old. No, right? not that old. Like oh, that old? 20 or 30. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. It, came, it was launched in the 90s. Early. Yeah, 1990. Oh, okay. Launched by uh, the Space Shuttle. And it was based off a design um, similar to a dis- design for a spy satellite. And the NSA happened to know that the company that built the the mirrors for Hubble was dodgy and wouldn't give them good work. But it wasn't until Hubble got into space that they realized the mirrors weren't up to scratch. And the NSA couldn't tell them because that would give away that they'd been building spy satellites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember all the controversy on that. The Hubble telescope got up there and you couldn't focus properly. Yep, and it's had a couple of other issues, but they've got it set up really well. And it's now 28 years old. And still making discoveries. This will be so. What do you think? So, what do you think they'll find when they get when they reach closer to the relic galaxy? Will they find that how was how was this the galaxy was originally a relic kind of thing? Or no, they're looking at a, an ancient galaxy through Hubble and looking at what it's made out of and how how it formed, and uh. then applying that to models that we have of the universe to help work out how everything else formed. As far as by the time um, Hubble actually gets there, we're likely to have starships that are actually there before. <laughs> Hubble isn't actually going to the galaxy. Yeah. It's just taking photos. But I'm just thinking, like, because it's on a trajectory path where it'll end up somewhere near one of these galaxies, what type is eventually? It? I thought Hubble was uh, going to stay in Earth orbit. Is it? Which was the one that's been, it's gone out past? Kepler probe. Uh, Voyager Kepler. is uh, just a probe, but Kepler is an actual telescope. Okay. I think it's a Kepler telescope. 
is a an exoplanet finder. Okay, because there's the and, one that they've sent out that it's gone past one of the outer planets, a uh, solar system. Uh, that would um, probably be be Voyager, I guess. Okay. Yeah, um, the only reference I can find for that seems to be Voyager. Okay. So I I honestly can't wait for James Webb to launch. It's uh, been so long and it keeps getting delayed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, you know, it it costs a lot of money. It costs money just to make shuttles to make shuttles and spe- and um. To... We don't use shuttles anymore. We haven't oh, since yeah. two thousand and nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant as in, like, as for developing space programs or whatnot, it's it's expensive. Yeah, NASA keeps getting its budget cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, how much was it? How much does it cost? Like, how much George when George W. Bush was president, he he wanted to make it three three trillion. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Billion dollars to go, go to make a Mars mission at one stage. Oh, that's disappointing that that didn't go ahead. Oh, wait, I could be see. living on Mars and be far away from you. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll be. Oh, here we are. It was um a three point three point two um trillion dollar budget. Hang a second. Yeah, anyway, it wasn't, yeah. You found it? No, I don't. It was a NASA space. Tri- it was a yeah trillion dollar space mission. Okay. Hang a second. It was announced. Um, it was first announced by Bush in two thousand four for a settlement on the moon. To be permanently staffed by uh, from 2024. Hang a second, I'll post. i put it up on the thing so you can have a good look at it. Yeah, well, obviously it's 2020, and we're not looking at a NASA uh, moon mission at the moment, but we are looking at some other interesting space developments out of America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh man, Donald Trump is an- has announced. <laughs> he announced it a he- while back. Yeah, he asked a while back, but this is just hilarious. They bring it up now that he wants to establish a sixth branch of military to clear away for American dominance in space. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> space Corps sounds absolutely amazing in sci-fi. And judging by how we sounded earlier when we were talking about sci-fi things becoming real life, we want yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Hey, Becky's back. Hey. Um, but if we, have, if we have the Space Corps... Is that why? Why create a sixth department or arm of the military? Let's make it part of the Marines. It's part of the Marine Corps, and then we have Space Marines. <laughs> I knew where Buck is going with this one. Yep. And then that would that would fit in well with Donald Trump's desires to be seen as a emperor, and he can have himself carbon frozen on a throne and have his yes. imperial guard. <laughs> as long as we're not sacrificing, like, is it nine thousand people every day? In what way? Uh, the the emperor from Forty K. They yeah. have to sacrifice. I think it's nine thousand uh, psychics to him every day, so that he can keep living and keep using his mind powers on space. Yeah, but have you looked at some of those people out there that call themselves psychics? 
Oh yeah. I don't That's, think the uh... world would really be a worse place if we sacrificed a few of them. Oh, it's actually, uh, guys, it's actually uh, at least ten thousand psychers are being sacrificed monthly to power the ex- Astronomicon, and thousands more being are being sacrificed to the Emperor daily. Okay. Yeah, there well, we that's, go. Well, that's someone's theory. I've I just picked up, but is that out of actually one of the um, 40k books, though, or is that just? I found it from somewhere, but I don't know what's the what's the actual just a, number. A Reddit post there. Yeah. Okay. Let's have a look. But that's one guy's theory. But it'd be hilarious. Just imagine the God Emperor Trump <laughs> in a in an in an arm in a 40k armor. Well, he's. We set to last for the next thousand years. One hundred percent pure plastic. <laughs> <laughs> and with all the spray tan he's got on him, um, yeah, he's already preparing himself for, for the preservation. Okay, if we're gonna well, do and if... the, all the preservatives in the the Macca's burgers he eats, and the plastic surgery. Oh yeah. Or is that his wife's? I, I think that's. Ivanka. I know Ivanka had a lot of plastic. Yeah. Anyway, um, way off topic there, but uh. On one hand, I'm excited for it because it's so sci-fi. On the other hand, there is uh, like all the non-weaponization uh, of space treaties. And although I get the feeling China and Russia are probably looking into it too, it just doesn't feel good to start militarizing space like that. The, uh, the plan for it, though, is mostly to handle GPS and other satellites, but the uh, concept behind it makes it sound a lot like it's going to be Space Marines. Yeah. Like, it, there was also the, um, like, there's the movie Iron Sky. Oh, yes. Yeah. Discover Nazis, Nazis on the moon. moon. Yeah. <laughs> and every country on the planet that has a space program has to admit that they've actually got military capabilities on all their different stuff. Okay. And then there's I also... Watch that. The sequel's coming out soon. It was, it already came, it came out, like, years ago. Yeah. Yeah, 2012. Yeah. I'm just behind. And then, and then there's the, um... One of the Call of Duty games, um, Ghosts, where they're actually yep. fighting the out of space and they drop the rods from outer space. And Do we then, really uh, want to put that sort of power in the hands of small-minded politicians? Nope. Nukes are bad enough. <laughs> I've been um, giving them a piece of paper. <laughs> oh, um, Professor, uh, just to let you know, yeah, there is a sequel cut. There is a sequel to the Iron Sky, original Iron Sky movie. It's cut. It came out on... 14th of February in Berlin, but to the rest of the rest of the world, it'll be 22nd of August. Okay, so it's already coming out. There's a sequel coming out, yeah. Yeah. Sweet. But anyway, uh, at least in um, Berlin before everywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> Got to keep the space Nazis happy, make them feel like Berlin is still the seat of world power. <laughs> and not uh, like some hipster city like it is now. Hey, come on. It's a, it's a fun place. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh, move on to our next topic, which is Bucky's about Microsoft protesting war. Um, actually, no, not war. Um, the U.S. Immigration Department. Ah, yes. And Border Patrol. Um, a letter signed by more than 100 Microsoft employees, so pretty small in the grand scheme of things, but it's been done publicly, has been published and so forth in the New York Times, saying that the employees refuse to be implicit in matters of the Trump administration and the Border Patrol with in regards to the separation of children, families, and so forth. This is really uh, coming up to be a big issue. Yeah. Not but that we... it wasn't, but Microsoft's stepping in now. Well, it's 
not Microsoft, it's their employees, but all right, micro, my, they um, generally like you got to look at the fact that the Microsoft boss, um, Satya Nadella, he, he's being put under pressure by the rank and file, so it's signed by 100, but we don't know who that 100 is, they could all be higher level people who are representing more cohorts, so like there's massive issues that have been going on with people being kicked out of America or separated from family over different issues. And it's just, it's just stupidity. What's interesting though, um, what's interesting about this is a couple of other um, companies have jo- tech companies have joined in like Zuckerberg has chimed in saying, we need to stop this policy. Um, to Apple boss have also chimed in as well, saying that the situation's inhumane as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's a, it's it's symbolically it's it's good to see all these companies like with Google a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the the letter is actually to the chief executive of Microsoft saying that they 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 need to cease all work and they're refusing to be involved with it. So yeah, but then... as you said, it's it's following the resignation of a lot of Google employees. Was it resignation? I thought it was just a walkout. No, no, no. Um, a number of Google employees resigned, and thousands more have signed a petition against the project. Ah, okay. Maven thing. So, but Project Maven is only one of many questionable practices by the U.S. government in relation yep. to immigration, where immigrants who come in on a green card join the U.S. military forces, go over and represent America overseas, get PTSD, come back into America. Suffering from PTSD, <clears throat> pardon me, have some issue happen where they get in trouble with the police and are then kicked out and sent back to wherever they came from. And therefore, they're no longer able to get the assistance that they, they need from the American Veteran Affairs Association. So you've got people that are just being used and abused and kicked out and their families are being left behind and left high and dry in America with no access to pension because the relative, in some cases, young families where mum or dad have been kicked out and they're not going to get any pension or support benefits because mum or dad have now become classified as a criminal. Yeah, it's a bloody shame. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I have to say um, I doff my hat to Microsoft on this. Like, As far as most companies around the place go, Microsoft is generally more socially conscious uh, and tries to do the right thing by the people around them. Yeah. Mm, I, agree, I agree with you there, yeah. Hopefully um, this all... Get sorted out quickly. I think Trump. I, I think um just the, I think earlier on today Trump signed an executive order, or not to remove fa- um uh, children from fa- not to remove children from families. So there is there is a bit of well. Well, it's actually it's actually illegal for them to do it. America is one of the main signatories on the United Nations Rights of the Child and Human Rights Decla- the Declaration of Human Rights and. By separating a child from its parents, it's actually a breach of all that. So America can actually should actually be taken before the courts if they put, if they do this. Yeah. Although they have pulled out of the UN Human Rights Com- um, Commission, so that's just because they're not in charge anymore, and they don't like when they're not the person in charge of it. <laughs> yep. And because of Israel, but that's another whole rant <laughs> for another time. What? Uh, it was so it was it was basically um the <clears throat> Americans were were accusing the Human Rights Council of, of um bias against Israel kind of thing. So well, it is kind of biased in some way. Yeah, that's anyway. That's not the topic. We are 
dragging this out. Speaking of the United Nations, the World Health Organization has declared gaming addiction. Gaming addiction as an issue. Okay, so um, the WHO has recently on recently as in 18th of June 2018, released um, a new international classification of diseases, also known as ICD-11. So this is basically, the ICD is in short, basically um, used to identify health trends and statistics worldwide um, and contains more than 55,000 unique codes for injuries, diseases, and causes of death. So... This year, they released um, ICD-11, and it's basically basically classed gaming addiction as uh, gaming addiction as a disorder. Okay. So, and he, and here's the interesting thing with the with ICD. Even though ICD came out to the, um, a few days ago, it doesn't come into effect until 2022. Which, or well, they've it's just the the preliminary release. Of yeah. what it's going to be, well, and there's going to, there's going to be a lot of discussion and finalization on this sort of thing. Um, it's the same as the DSM. The DSM goes, they they do the preliminary release, and then there's all the arguments, fights, <laughs> research, and so forth. Um, but one of the interesting things is under the DSM five, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual used by psychiatrists and psychology, gaming addiction was already something that could be considered. Yeah, because uh, it's yeah, um, a psych- any psychopath, psychopathological behavior that is able to be measured, which is having a persistent and negative impact upon a person's behavior and operational ability, whether they perceive it themselves or not, is able to be classified, and an, and an addiction in gaming is something that can be measured. Yeah. So the criteria for the ICD def- the version though it's very interesting. So they they paste it as a pattern of per- persistent or reoccurring gaming behavior, uh, which may be online, uh, but, um, or offline manifested by one um, impaired control <clears throat> over gaming. Uh, n- number two, increased priority given to gaming to the extent that gaming takes precedence over other life interests and daily activities and number three continuation or escalation of gaming despite the occurrence of negative consequences so that's the icd's criteria to gaming disorder it's very very similar that but they're just actually specifically naming it as a type of addiction yeah. whereas the dsm5 hasn't currently given it a specifically named but you, yeah you can be diagnosed as having an addiction and the cause of them is this so yeah yeah and i have to say my um lecturers and teachers would all be quite impressed on the fact that i actually recited the entire definition almost verbatim (laughs) oh that's just that's true it's true and um yeah there was a there was an article that i posted um which will be on the show notes guys um there's not much research for uh, to to verify the icd definition to be honest well, I don't think there needs to be. It's regarded as should be regarded as a. Uh, I can't think of the term off the top of my head, but like gambling addiction, not physically addictive, mm. but mentally addictive. Well, yeah, that it does actually have um, physical manifestations of withdrawals and behavioural changes in pattern and so forth. Um, I remember reading a case study where they're actually looking at a person who. Had actually been classified as having a gaming addiction, a young child, 
who, if he wasn't allowed to play his Xbox because his mother had used that as a babysitting device while she was doing who knows what, um, he got violently aggressive to the extent that as a teenager, he had ended up hospitalizing a police officer. Ouch, that's uh, not going to go down well for him in the future. Nope. Well, the police officers in the matter actually surprisingly turned around and like, well, not necessarily surprisingly, but they didn't actually blame him. They accepted the fact that it was due to an addictive state and he was a young child who just needed to be given some to find his way back. And the case study showed that over a period of time, he was able to break his addiction and there lives as a normal person and just, yeah, he doesn't play computer games anymore. Fair enough. This actually reminds me of those. You remember how in China they would have those internet camps where basically um, it'd be like rehab. Hang on a second, no, not um, not in um, rehab camps for for kids using the internet. Internet addiction in, camps. That's the one. Yeah, but they got a lot of strange things in China where they um, try to cure gender dysphoria and other issues with electroshock therapy. Yeah. So I'm sorry, but. <laughs> Yeah, although they're, they're the, not exactly the, the the greatest example in relation to this sort of thing. Although the the funny thing though, um, as soon as this ruling came out, a lot of news articles are coming out saying, "Oh, um, Fortnite no, is." Don't go there. Don't go I, there. Don't I, I told just, you not to go there. I, I I'm I'm warning you. We we discussed this the other week that there's proof that says that games are not linked to mass shootings. And this is just people jumping on the hysteria. We told you not to go there. I'm not not talking about that. Do not feed oxygen to the idiots. You'll start to talk about, there was the article talking about um, Fortnite and its violent behavior. Leading to gun death, which is essentially the same nonsense that we discussed previously. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, to stop him from going there, let's move on to the next topic about gaming. Actually, just before we do... Okay. um, the DJ was talking about the detox camps in China. Um, yeah, there's actually been quite a number of deaths at these facilities and there's no scientific basis. So, and there's also lists of financial conflicts of interest. So it's not surprise me. Um, yeah, the whole ICD-11 classification is up for debate, which is standard practice. And yeah, the internet addiction camps, yeah. It's just a, a profit making for taking people that you don't want running around playing computer games or the dissidents as they're known. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the next topic is uh, the Queensland government's plan to help the games industry, which have uh, put out a statement, a, a plan for how they're going to do that. The, they have a, a 10 year plan uh, to <coughs> specifically regarding games Appoint a screen Queensland board member with gaming expertise. Appoint a gaming liaison officer to support the sector. Uh, grow the co-working space SQ hub, which is the uh, thing for any screen industry, although they are specifically planning on expanding it for game developers. Um, and including a space for people, game developers to meet startups, incubators, etc. I'm not sure I agree with that. Like, I've been talking to some people from the industry about it, and there's a couple of guys I know who are really into it. They actually interview one for the article, Morgan Jaffet from uh, Hand of Fate, or Defiant Development, who made Hand of Fate, which is a great game. Um, 
but he's uh, pretty excited about it because he thinks that it'll have a lot of benefits for it, for the industry and treating it as a full part of screen queensland will is how the government can show commitment to us but i'm not sure i agree with the the plans they've got for a co-working space because for the games industry co-working is not very important because everyone can work from home <coughs> mm. well define co-working Although when you have a, a space for rent that people can go and work in with their business and other businesses oh yeah but, yeah but with that though um it might put people who aren't necessarily going to come across each other such as people who aren't necessarily directly involved in the gaming industry but are doing other stuff with screen queensland with artistic stuff who are going to come into contact with programmers and if you can get yeah. and if you can get more people actually sitting physically talking to each other they you start to bounce ideas off of each other in a different manner so there's there are possible there, there are lots of possible positives and it's also they, they're actually investing into the industry fair enough see my my problem would be for this though is um the last time when queensland had the get had a bit of a gaming industry was when um fury came when queensland developed uh the game fury and it, it put queensland on the map that, that game but then it didn't last long if my memory serves me right well we still um, have a yeah, game. the developer shut down in two months. There are lots of programmers that are still operating in Queensland yeah. that are working for some of the major publishing companies for games. Not so much in um in big companies, especially after what we discussed in our first episode, where the the Senate review into the uh, the government's decision to quit funding the games industry. Mm-hmm. But there are still some of the programmers that are involved with games such as that have been produced by companies such as Ubisoft. And- yeah. Uh, yeah. When I, I go to these meetups, I meet people who have worked and been in the industry for 10 years and worked for all the big names. Yeah. And now they run a little indie place. Yeah. And like that's, that's what we need is more of that taking off because then we get more games such as Man Eater. Yeah. <laughs> Or uh, specifically speaking of uh, Australian games, ha- Hand of Fate. Uh, there's another called Ninja Pizza Girl, I think it was called. Like 2D Mirror's Edge. Um, I'm trying to think. There's a lot of people I met who develop games there. But anyway, we are starting to run overtime, so we should move to our shout-outs. Yeah. Our first one this week is the birthday of Errol Flynn, the Australian actor who played Cap- who was in Captain Blood and Robin Hood, who was born in 1909. Uh, Terence Young, the director of Dr. No and Thunderbolt, who was born in Shanghai in 1915. So the, um, the first James Bond director was Asian. Yeah. Uh, and Brian Wilson, the singer from the Beach Boys from 1942, also has his birthday this week. And... 20 years apart this week uh, is the anniversary of Valentina Tereshkova and Sally Ride's first space flights. These are the first two female uh, astronauts from America and Russia. Uh, the anniversary of the patent of the telegraph by Samuel Morse in 1840. The first animated program to win an Emmy, the Huckleberry Hound Show from 1960. And looks like that's all of our shout outs for this week. 
No, no, no. You missed one. Uh, you forgot Stephen one. Hawking's voice was oh, yes. Yes, I missed that. Uh, Stephen Hawking's actual funeral, his ashes were interred at Westminster Abbey, and as part of the memorial, they played his robot voice into space. Sweet. Actually, was it his robot voice? I just double checked the article. Well, I assume it was. I'm just wondering oh. is it going to connect somehow with the Tesla car and it's suddenly going to change <laughs> directions and shape and we're going to get Transformers coming back? <laughs> oh, no, thank you. I've heard oh. enough bad Transformers movies. <laughs> but uh, my favorite part of the uh, Stephen Hawking memorial is the, the headstone says. Here lies what was mortal of Stephen Hawking. Oh, and they they shot his voice at the nearest black hole. Mm -hmm. So when we get invaded by aliens who hear his message of peace and think, great, there's a soft target to knock over. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. They'd come in peace because he was such a cool guy. Yeah. They'd come, oh, we want to meet this guy. We want to pay homage. Well, you're too Uh, late, unfortunately. Oh, uh, b- before we uh, end the show, I just want to do a slight correction with Terence Young. He's uh, actually British born. He's actually a British director. Oh, but he oh. was born in Shanghai. Shanghai. Okay. He's got British citizenship, but he was born in Shanghai, which makes him Chinese, born in China. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just he's got citizenship for, as being British with British heritage. But yeah, the first movie of uh, James Bond, Doctor No. Yeah. The character was a European who was one of the heads of the Chinese crime family. Yep. Anyway, um, we should wrap it up here. So check out our, our Twitter account if the DJ's got us unbanned after setting us to be a newborn baby. <laughs> our Facebook page, leave us a message telling us how terrible we are. The rest of the That's Not Canon family. Um, and Our email. Check out our email. Yes, our email address. And also our merchandise. Yep, and our merchandise. And one game we forgot to mention last week, which I actually felt kind of bad about, um, was it Two Point Hospital? Yes. Oh, yes. The spiritual success at a theme hospital. Looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. (laughs) We have a monobrow infestation. Yep. Anyway, uh, we'll wrap it up there. So we'll see you next week. See you guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.